Hi, and welcome to Blank Bodies, a Vampire the Masquerade, horror, and tabletop podcast. I'm your host, Hunter, and today I've got a really special guest with today. Say hi to Brian. We've had him on before, but... Hello, thanks for having me. It's awesome to be here, and I appreciate you having me back. Yeah, I'm glad to have you back. You might remember uh, we had Brian on to talk about his game Vast Grim about a year ago, I want to say now, actually. It's crazy how fast the time flies by. Yeah. Before we jump into that, I just had a couple quick reminders for the show. We are still doing our big October giveaway, so if you are are a patron at any tier you are entered into a giveaway we've got a bunch of stuff there's dice box vampire dice copy of the new werewolf fifth edition book some shirts uh, i think there's i think we th- we're gonna throw some extra goodies in there i know we've got some stickers and stuff so if you want to be entered in the giveaway uh join us at patreon any tier there it's also got our new patron exclusive episodes we're going to be releasing one of those every month and coming up on uh november 4th we have our corn tub stream it's finally coming so this is the last episode before we boil John. So if you're interested in that, definitely keep an eye out. We're going to be doing that on our YouTube channel. And that link's in our link tree down below, blankbodies.com. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, we have Brian on today. And today we're talking about his new game, The Molt. Yes, The Molt, as things must shed. Yeah, I, I like it. It's a very unique setup. So you want to tell us a little bit what the uh, intro pitch, I suppose, for your game? Sure, absolutely. So it's... If you're familiar with the Morkborg system, uh, it's based on that core rule set. And if you're not, if you know any sort of D20-based system, it's boiled down, really easy rules light uh, system to get into. But inside the center of the planet, these various species have been living here for quite some time. Because like 6,666 years ago, this mad warlock traveled down through a crack in the Earth, or the planet, I call it, I'm just saying the Earth, but the planet itself. They traveled down there because they had stolen these three eggs of the two-headed basilisk sheep. And when they went down there, they discovered that there were natural arcane magics that were going on inside the center of the planet that this, the different species down there were using. And when they combined that magic with what they knew, they started hatching these new and weird, crazy-ass races. And now these species that are down there are believed that the molt is happening, this prophesized thing where... The outer shell of the planet is going to get torn apart and get destroyed and all of humanity is going to get obliterated. And what is inside the planet will then be the those who, who, who rule the planet moving forward. And you're playing one of these weird, crazy species, which are all based off of strange creature sculptures I've made. That's really cool. So it's almost like the planet itself is a giant egg for all these little creatures who hatched inside of it. Yes, exactly. And you get to kill all the humans, which, you know, I mean, to me, that's pretty fun. Yeah, that seemed, that seems like a good challenge. You said it's based on uh, Morkborg, uh, so it should be really easy to, to hop into. I think pretty much everyone's played Morkborg or Morkborg-based system at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few slight variations. Like, I've added a focus stat, which is used for the magic because I've introduced a, a magic system as well, as opposed to in Morkborg, there's just, like, the scrolls that you can use. This is more of a, uh, uh, based on how well you do on the roll and what you want to do, and you can harness magic in different ways and allows the players to kind of create, determine what the magic does because it's not rolled into just specific spells. It's how they, allowing them to be more creative in, in how they use it. Um, and they have a kind of a, 
a point resource base that they can use to say, I want to spend X number of points using this this magic to allow it to do bigger and better things or worse and more horrible things, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. So it almost sounds like somewhere in between something like D&D, where you have like very specific spells and something like Mage, where you essentially just have like a, you have three points in Earth and four points in time. How do you combine those? Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's very similar to that. So it's like um, basically I have like elemental where you can move and control natural elements and the difficulty rating is higher depending on how much you want to be able to do or like uh, changing slash transforming on a like a molecular level. The, the, the greater the difficulty rating that you pass, the bigger the thing that you can change um, or control like moving things, moving people or other things like using the force or whatever to pull something towards you or pull people towards you or even pull from a, a like taking uh pulling something from a completely different area um it, it has a higher difficulty rating um and things like controlling and moving uh controlling uh creatures minds and things like that as well so it's all but all those rules are very loose to allow for interpretation and for the people the gms and the players to make stuff up as they want that fits their table as well yeah i like that so you could you have a certain amount of points that you can use per session let's say you can do like one big spell or you can try and use like so there's kind of like a resource management there it sounds like yes and depending on the species class type that you roll, you have a different die that you re-roll each day. So like one may have like a D4 or a D6 plus whatever your presence modifier is, or like somebody might have a D8, depending if they're more in tune with the the arcane, the natural arcane magics of the, the setting. That's awesome. Uh, you mentioned that all the races in the game are based on actual like sculpts that you've done. Is there um, a place you have those posted to look at? Uh, yes, the, the un, like the un- uh Morkborg diversion like of the actual sculpts are on creaturecuration.com and if you go under art and then go to there should be uh there should be my vast some of my vast grim sculptures and then there should be my revelo sculptures because years ago I did a, a fantasy setting and I'm kind of I'm pulling stuff from that and putting it in here but twisting it and contorting it uh to make it fit more with what uh what I'm writing now in a darker weirder uh, way. Um, so a lot of those sculptures that were in there is stuff that I that I've pulled in and then uh, bash it up in the computer and uh, make it stranger and grittier. Yeah, if you're listening, I definitely recommend checking these out. I mean, one of the first ones you see is obviously the Bernadazi, which is like the dragon you see on the cover of the malt. But there's some really, really cool ones on here. I know this is an audio medium. So I, me sitting here describing them doesn't really do them justice. But well, so I started, that's all like, it was what I considered like monster taxidermy because uh, they're, to me, they're life size within the setting when I sculpted them. So they're all like bigger, like you could put this over your fireplace and it would look like somebody might would like somebody might have like a deer or something like that. But instead it's one of these weird monster creatures. Um, yeah, so, so these must be pretty big. It's kind of hard to get scale sometimes right. on a black background, but like, yeah, the, some of these are like creature heads mounted on plaques. So those are really big if if you're using a deer as a reference. Yes, exactly. And there's a lot of things in the setting 
that tie back into my old like little Easter eggs if people know my Revelo stuff. And there's also things that also connect it with Fast Grim, my sci-fi game. There's little thing, little bits and pieces where like there's parts of the lore that show how they all kind of connect together. Oh, that's really fun. So I mean you could even um we've played some Fast Grim here. I could even say Chuck, this is a planet in Vascrim, and they end totally. up there. Yep, absolutely. That's, that's really fun. Um, some of the artifacts and like some of the like the the Fatuma uh, person in the lore of Vascrim is also there's some lore of that and Fatimites that are on in the core center of this planet. So it all and then also how that interacts with the official Morkborg lore. I've also kind of rewritten some of that to explain why some of the things in Morkborg are the way they are based on my setting. Oh, that's cool. So it it really is. You could play like one connected game across a bunch of different games if you wanted to. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I could even see people playing Morkborg as humans coming down into the center of the planet, trying to fight back, dying, and then coming back. Their next characters are characters inside the molt that are trying to take over the humans outside. Oh, that'd be a fun uh, change of perspective mid-game. I like right, that. Exactly. It says that you have a new classes and species. What are some of the new classes? I know we talked about the monsters. So I, I kind of, I, because I didn't want to say that like all species are the, are this, they're like species slash slash classes. So uh, for instance, uh, in, in that it's, you're playing, you could be a Basilite earth mover or a Bernadazi shard chewer, or the Datsoff crystal seer, um, or crystal gazer. So they're species classes as the eight that you have choices of, but it's just kind of giving you a sample, especially since all the other like Morkborg games are so easy to hack and build on top of. Somebody could take this and be like, you know, I want to play a Bernadazi, but I don't want them to be a shard chewer. So I'm going to create my own class using some of the foundation of this. So it's not it's not separated also because it's so OSR, it's easier to just have it more streamlined and not have the choice between a species and a class. Yeah, I like that. It's it's very quick for setting yeah. things up. I also see it's uh it's gonna come with a introductory adventure. So is that like you play as like humans and you're kind of figuring out what's going on with the planet, or is that is a surprise? That is uh still in process right now. I'm kind of playtesting a couple different variants of it. Um, but I believe so one of the things with the the people that are in the mold. The, the creatures that you play is that you're trying to, to make it happen and to make the molting happen, seven events have to occur and then it officially happens in the, in the game that you're playing. And to do that, you're trying to get trophies. And these trophies can be magical relics, um, the, these different acts like taking down an entire city of humans, like a big city up top. But basically, you're causing cataclysmic events that will continue to make the, the, the surface start to shatter. And so the introductory adventure is to get the play, the characters to go and gain, find this trophy, which is a, a relic that's hidden and that's been long lost after uh, things have shifted underground and it's been resealed with with uh, with molten rock and, and 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 finding this this trophy. And then you get to kind of level up and get some of the the benefits of of earning a trophy. You get. Uh, recognized amongst other people within the core of the planet. And so you, it just kind of shows how to continue on so that the, the players can be the ones that cause this change in the planet. Okay, so like finding these trophies are kind of like a prophecy that's being fulfilled as you collect them. Right, exactly. That's cool. So um, it sounds like there's going to be a li 
do you have like all those prophecies figured out or is there like space for dms to make their own or so there's going to be scriptured type uh prophecies but those are loose like uh Kind of very much like the the Morkborg and the Vasperum ones, where it's more like scripture. But then there's going to be a list of example trophies that could that could bring about these prophecies. So, but with lots of room for interpretation and for the GMs to make up their own. Because more than anything, I want uh, when I when I play a game, I want there to be open endedness so that I can make it my own. So I want to make sure I do the same thing with the games that I work on. Yeah, that's fair. I know we we do a uh, Vampire the Masquerade podcast, so that game has a very deep and intricate meta plot, and I think it can be hard to kind of separate from that. But it sounds mm-hmm. like you can kind of choose which I like as a DM, because some sometimes you know I just want to tell my story. I don't really exactly. Yeah, I, I I've always even since I was a little young kid playing D anD D, I've always gone off and homebrewed and done my own thing. So. I've kind of I've always feel like that's should be an option for anybody that that wants to run a game. Absolutely. I mean the some of the meta plots are really fun to read and then you sit down to play them and you're like actually I want to do this and you start moving stuff around. That's like half the fun for me as a storyteller. Right, exactly. And especially if the players don't naturally gravitate towards that main meta plot, if they're not going that way, you can't just force them in there. You have to be willing to go where the players want to go. Yeah. So uh, I saw in here, it looks like the art in the book is actually going to contain some of those sculptures we talked about and new illustrations. I like that. So it's there is like 3D art and like more traditional drawings. Yeah. And I'm trying to do as much collage type style as I can and and make each part, each page really uh, stand out and look, look unique and, and have a good feel to it because I want it to still feel kind of like some of the vast grim stuff, but not so not as uh retro-y synth wavy, but have a little bit more of the, the Morkborg aesthetic and especially the color palette, but with also oranges and reds thrown in and being a, a big part of it. I mean, Orange has always been uh, my my favorite color ever since uh, in like fourth grade, I got neon orange chucks and thought that like nobody would know who I was if if, if all they saw were my shoes. <laughs> That's awesome. It's got the compatible with Morkborg on the art. You've, it definitely fits that style a lot. I think it, it makes the Morkborg pop, but it definitely has its own look to it. Thank you. Speaking of adventures and art, I saw one of the additional items the Kickstarter is going to have is a, a cassette adventure with the soundtracks. Yes. So I think that's a different adventure than the one in the book that we were talking about, though. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, this is this is where like so in the Morkborg setting, there's an area called Grift and there's cracks already. And that's where people descend into into the core of, of the molt. But one of the cracks has opened up and this monolithic structure has jutted up out of it. And the the uh, thus the, the cassette is the, the molten monolith. And it's the adventure is set in there. My friend Chris, who's uh, goes by Glitter in the Dark, has created is creating the soundtrack for that. He's done, we've published two Vast Grimm soundtracks already with a space synth soundtrack to it where there's adventures in the liner, like one side's the map of the the liner and the other side's the adventure. They'll be very similar to that uh, where it's inside the molten monolith and the adventure takes place in there. And you can have the digital files of the song or play the actual cassette in a boombox or Walkman or however However, you like to listen to to cassettes. Yeah, that's really cool. I love I love little cassettes. Still, I still have so many, 
whenever a band's got them, I grab them. I don't have a working cassette deck. Mine broke, but I still have. Like, oh, I need that cassette. Awesome. I'm, I'm planning on fixing mine, but yeah, those are great. So one thing I noticed is that uh, Fast Grim was published with uh, Infinite Black, and this you're doing through Creature Curation. Yep. So I, I had Creature Curation before I joined Infinite Black. That's uh, something I started in 2017, uh, same year I met David from Infinite Black. Um, but prior to getting hired on there, um, once I was hired on at Infinite Black, then I pitched David on on publishing Vascrim. But I still want to keep things going on the company I started. So this is something I'm doing completely on the side. Um, and I've I've released all sorts of different things under under Creature Curation from uh, the 5e setting that was my Revelo books to plushies to squishies to um, pins and patches and uh, this is just another piece that I just want to publish through through my business. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I saw your uh, table at uh, Gen Con. People are really into the little squishy guys. Oh, awesome. Good. My friends, uh, Andrew and Justin, were working working that booth while I was at the Infinite Black booth uh, this past Gen Con. So. Yeah, they were super cool. We chatted with them for a bit. Yeah, they're great guys. It's going to be a short run, like two and a half weeks. Okay. Uh, it's going to launch the day after I get back from a... 14 to 16 hour drive from game hall con so uh so that's kind of crazy we have a first 48 hour exclusive patch that uh shows the the two-headed basilisk um uh cracking through the egg that is the planet uh and there's also going to be a collector's edition uh cover of the book that's going to have a faux uh reptilian skin uh cover with a a fancy foil uh emboss on on the front so that would be a wonderful place to get it because there will only be so many of those made and once they're gone those will be gone that's awesome i like the that's a good way but it's not very tactile like reptile like uh, i've I've got a lot of like hardbound books but i think going that extra step with the the wrap is really cool i mean just from the the sculptures and everything i'm very tactile when i I want to touch things i want to i want them to feel fun yeah kickstarter is going live the day after this episode goes out so the 24th we have a link down below if you want to check it out uh if it's a day early you can sign up for notification make sure you get that um and then uh, there is also uh, creaturecuration.com, and then I'll have all your social media links down below too. Awesome. And I just recently redid briancolon.com to work like a uh, link tree page. So okay. that has all the things because then you can also see the Bass Grimm stuff. You can has has all all the stuff in, in one place. That's awesome. So uh, you said this is in playtesting a little away from the Kickstarter itself, but uh, how do you go about playtesting? I've I've been doing that myself with my game, and I've, I've playtested for some other people. I've noticed a lot of people like to do it differently. So so because I'm not really creating my own rule set, my own system, the playtesting phase is, is truncated significantly. Like if I was developing my own system from scratch, it would be much a much more lengthy process. Now, for me, it's more like running a handful of the same scenario or game for for different people and just seeing like, okay, what do I, is there anything I really need to tweak with these new mechanics I've added? Because most of the new mechanics that are added are just kind of modifications on stuff that already exists and that has already proven itself just within the community playing existing games. Um, 
So I don't have to do a whole lot with that. More, a lot of it for me at this point is giving me other ideas to expand upon because I like when I create adventures themselves, I don't want anything to be too railroady. And I want like, hopefully it'll spur other ideas from things that have happened in game to be like, okay, let me add some of this or add this to increase this random table from D4 things that could happen to D6 to D8 um, because these these other things came up in gameplay. Yeah, that's always interesting. You definitely always get players who use something a way you didn't expect, or they'll take the story in a completely different direction. That's exactly. one thing. I literally, when I first was playtesting mine, I had to put it on a literal train on a railroad just to be like, <laughs> we need to test these things, please. But I was doing more rules testing, so right. it's a little more like they, they knew what was going on. But I was like, oh, I'll, just, I'll just actually railroad them. You're on a subway train. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. And and for games like that, where it's still in like the early rules development, uh, usually when, when I've stuff that I've been, been involved with the, with that, it's more putting in specific scenarios with specific characters and being like, we need to try to test this out. So we kind of skip some of the RP side of it and just try out how the mechanics work and try those a couple of different times with different groups. Um, and, and then then redo it in a full like, hey, let's sit down and play like we're really like we're really going to play. Yeah. Speaking of really going to play. So the game's out. People have it. You're going to run it. What's what are you what are you most excited about the malt to like sit down, and actually play and explore? I want to see I really want to see uh, how people play this in a different way, knowing that they're trying to cause part of the planet to get destroyed, like and 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 kind of have it reborn, as it were, with the with these new weird creatures at the helm. Um, because it could be played where people are just real total jerks and like, you know, just, just destroying everything. But I also, uh, I'm curious to see how people work more role-playing into it as well, because there, that's a lot of things that I'm adding into the lore and hooks and things like that to make it. So it's not just like, Hey, let's just go murder hoboing all around because I never have fun in games where it's just a bunch of people. All they do is go around and kill things. So, um, I'm curious to see how people take what's, coming out as the the like core concept of the game and how they work that into a more uh, RP heavy uh, uh, adventure. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. Cause uh, your brain first thing as well, I guess we'll just go level Wisconsin or whatever, but right. I guess you could be like more underhanded, like, Oh, we're just going to like destroy the economy of the city. They'll do it for <laughs> us or things totally. like that. Yep. Yeah. So are the, uh, are the do the people know what the things inside the earth are doing? Do the, is it like if they see you, they're going to be scared or upset or attacking, or is there like a little uncertainty? I mean, I don't know. Most people are gen generally fear what they don't understand and what's <laughs> unfamiliar to them, and most of these new uh, species are totally weird looking and non-human. So I would think most of the people on the, on the surface of the planet would be apprehensive, if not downright hostile towards, uh, towards the people coming up from underground. That's fair. Sometimes in fantasy, it's like, oh, there's, there's the dog man. That's my neighbor. But, mm -hmm. and I'm sure because I'll write this so loosely, um, it will be pretty open to interpretation. So, I mean, there, there could be a whole, you could probably have a whole party of people from within the core that don't want to see the, the the molt occur and they're trying to fight back and stop it where there might be those part of the parties the people from the core and part of the party is people from Galgenbeck or other parts of the Morkborg universe and they're trying to keep it from happening yeah, you, or you could do like a cult of people who's like we want it to happen we hate this place we'll we'll let the better creatures have it 
Right. That, yeah, so there's a lot of cool angles at that. I like that. And there's also like something I didn't mention. There's also rifts down in part of the planet that have torn open from other universes, which is why some of the species that are in there are creatures from my other fantasy world. So there can be all sorts of weird interdimensional stuff. And one of the adventures I'm, I'm writing, actually, if you were to really, if you really look and dig for it, you'd know that it's set inside one of the spaceships from Baskram, but it's just so deteriorated and so different. But if you were to look at the map side by side and overlay them, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that was totally a starship in Baskram. So was this in the past or was it in the future? Or like, there's lots of different ways you can approach all the different storytelling. That's fun. You could even use it as like a transition setting where it's like, all right, our Baskram ship is going to fly into this planet and go through a portal and end up in uh, your fantasy setting. And now we're stuck here in a fantasy world. We can't totally. refuel the ship. What do we do now? Yep. I like that. That's that's really cool. I have like all the connective tissue there. I it's like gives you a lot of ideas like really quickly, which is what I like as an ST. I don't like having to dig for story hooks. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you think we should mention? Probably right about the time of this coming out, our the Baskrim into Oblivion Kickstarter is fulfilling. So early November ish, mid November ish. Three new Vascrim books will be out and available, which have starship rules, space raiders, which are like space pirates, and uh, uh, Blood Altered, which is a multi-adventure multi series set on the uh, uh, the planetoid uh, K2116B. Um, so there's lots of new Vascrim stuff that's going to be available very soon. That's fun. Space pirates especially sounds up my alley. That sounds like a good time. Yes, totally. And um, I'm sure they can find all that at your website as well. Um, that would be at, so that would be at infiniteblack.com or there'll be information on bassgrim.com. Um, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Sorry. I'm all over the place. Oh no, I get it. It's just the state of the internet these days, I think. Yep. Um, and see. also since this is be at the end of October, if anybody's going to PAX Unplugged, in early December in Philadelphia, I will be there in uh, both the Creature Curation booth and the Infinite Black booth and I'll have lots of Bass Grimm stuff. And then I'll also have hopefully some early printed stuff of the, the Molt with me as well. Awesome. That'll be fun to check out. I know we got to see some of the early Fast Grim stuff at Gen Con a couple years ago. That mm -hmm. was really, really cool to see, like those early prototypes you had with you. Yeah, so if you're there, definitely go check that out and say hi. Well, I think we're getting about that time to wrap it up. But uh, I want to thank you again for coming on. It's great to see you again. Thanks for having me. It's always good to see you. And hopefully our paths will cross again very soon. Yes, hopefully. Thanks again for coming on. Keep your eye out his tables if you're out at the convention circuit. And uh, check out The Molt on the 21st over on Kickstarter.